You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is served. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Justice is Served here on Black Hollywood Live. Thanks for joining us if you're returning. If you're just joining us for the first time, be sure to subscribe over on YouTube or on iTunes, SoundCloud. Doesn't matter. You want to listen to us, we're there. You want to watch us, we're there. All completely free, uh, unlike the justice system. <laughs> I am your host, Phil Svitek, but I can't do this alone with considerable uh, help, Chelsea Galicia. Hi there. Thank you. Oh, man, we've got so much to go over, so much. Uh, Let's start with our case of the week, Sandra Bland. Um, A lot of people are talking about this. There's a lot of context around this. And, in fact, if you want the political viewpoint, uh, Black Tea Party is going to be kind of talking about it from their perspective uh, in that way. But today we're going to be talking about it from a legal perspective. So, uh, Chelsea, um, uh, by the way, well, before I even get your thoughts, just to give context to people, if you guys don't know, um, this is a woman who was arrested, uh, supposedly a routine kind of checkpoint, correct? She was pulled over because she didn't signal when she was changing a lane. Mm-hmm. And somehow the situation, well, not somehow, you can see on the dash cam video exactly how the situation escalated. Uh, and the officer accused her of assaulting him. And arrested her for that. Mm-hmm. And then she was found dead in her jail cell three days later. Yes. And, uh, you know, so the, the timeline of that, you know, so uh, at seven, they woke her up. They checked in on her all good at eight ish. They, you know, they had breakfast. They fed her. And by nine o'clock, um, she was found dead. And so, you, you know, the, the big question now is, was it suicide was it not? Yeah. The way that I see this, this, there's actually kind of two separate but related parts. So this, the biggest thing, of course, is what caused her death. Was that self-inflicted or was it foul play? That is the most serious of the issues. But the other issue is how she ended up in jail in the first place and whether the actions of the officer who pulled her over and then arrested her uh were were appropriate or just another example of an overzealous police officer who was just on some massive ego trip and said things like, I'll light you up, referring to using his taser on her. And so... But I think the second point, you know, if you're arguing um, kind of police brutality or, you know, uh, overstepping, um, then that point number one has relates very much to point number, you know what I mean? It's that sequence of events. Whereas if you're ruling out that, uh, she was unjustly detained, then, uh, you know, then point number one matters as more of a standalone piece. And, uh, to note to people, she was an advocate, uh, she's an African American woman. She was an advocate, um, against kind of changing police policy in general for changing police policy yeah so she 
you know, she when was was told to get out of the car, she was like, "Why do you want me to get out of the car?" She wasn't exactly cooperative, uh, but she sort of knew her rights and knew that she could question and say, "Well, why are you taking me out of the car? I'm not under arrest." And you know, she she sort of made it known that she wasn't just going to. Um, do everything that the police officer insisted that she do when there were really no grounds for him to be talking to her that way or for him to be treating her that way. So you're right. They're definitely related, but they can be, you know, two separate things. But I'm not sure. You, in, 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 the, in the moment, right, just to take a slight step back and for, you know, for people in general, I find it sometimes better. Like, yes, you know, he was maybe overstepping his bounds and whatever. Just kind of if it's if it's not really fully um, that out there, just do it and then make a complaint to the police department rather than now you've ended up in jail potentially. Perhaps in hindsight that would have been the smarter thing to do, but it, it's perhaps this isn't the first time she's been involved, you know, with the police or seen other people get mistreated by the police and. You know, she just wanted to stand up for herself. She didn't, because oftentimes you can make a complaint and then it doesn't go anywhere. I've and done that. So, so it sounds like a better option. And then the reality of it is that it doesn't do anything for you. So she wasn't going to go along with it. And even not going along with it doesn't mean that he should have pulled her out of the car, threatened to tase her. Um, she says in the video or you can hear it, but you don't see it, that she says the officer slammed her head into the ground. Um, none of this should have happened. There was nothing that warranted. She was in no way a physical threat to the officer. So really there was no reason for her to be demanded to get step out of the car because the Supreme Court has said that an officer can ask somebody to step out of the car virtually for any reason as long as it's somehow related to officer safety. I don't think that her smoking a cigarette uh, was any threat to his physical safety unless he thought somehow that he was going to put it's it secondhand out. smoke i i guess perhaps i i hate secondhand smoke so i would not like somebody smoking my face but it, it's not something that you can uh, order somebody out of the car for and then if they refuse or have a problem with it or ask why that you then say well now you're under arrest and then you cause a situation where i mean i doubt um, even if she did quote unquote assault him, I, I'm sure that he had put his hands on her first. I'm not sure that you can see every moment of the video quite clearly. And there is part of it where they're out of the view of the dash cam video. So, uh, the, the officer has been put on administrative, you know, desk duty because he violated, uh, procedures, especially the courtesy procedures of the police department. Uh, he, he basically escalated a situation that did not need to be escalated when his, as I see it, his ego was bruised because she wouldn't do exactly what he said. And so he just made it worse and worse so that he could, you know, assert his authority more and more and more. And, and this is just somebody who with you know, an, an unchecked ego or very poor training in dealing with the public. Nobody likes to be pulled over. Nobody likes to be told, you know, what to do by this authority figure when you feel that 
you haven't done anything wrong. She changed lanes without signaling. I mean, how many of us have done that? So it just doesn't seem to warrant being treated that way. And she had seen uh, in her role as an activist plenty of people being mistreated by the police for silly things, and she probably just wasn't going to go for it. So to be fair, on a separate note, I really hate when people do that. It annoys the crap out of me. Just a separate note. So people... Don't do it. If you're driving near Phil, be sure to use your signal, maybe an arm signal as well. But, you know... It's just a common courtesy, just FYI. Yes. and Separate it, and, of this. And I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't have the law that you need to use your signal when changing lanes. I'm not sort of downplaying that. It's important for our safety and to not annoy Phil. And so, uh, you know, we should have that. But if you break that rule, you shouldn't then be treated like you're a thief or, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of major criminal when all you did was not use your signal. So I think that it's it's good that we have seen this video. And I know that, you know, now that one officer, he's a young guy, he's 30 years old, uh, will probably think twice if they ever let him go back on real active uh, duty out in the field. D- but, but don't you think, like, just in general, officers right now like are perhaps thinking twice because it's like if i do this then every case we're talking about whether politically you know on the politics show or on the legal show it's all about uh you know the police have gone too far so in the back if i was a police officer in the back of my mind i'd be like i have i have no jurisdiction to do anything hey man have a good day well, no, that's not entirely true. You know, we, the officers should still, you know, do their job. Um, they should do it well. Uh, you know, remember that, that story that Taraji P. Henson's son was pulled over and then he claimed, you know, or he told his mom something different about what actually happened and then she got all upset and, and then they released the, the dash cam footage and the officer was really nice and courteous and, Mm-hmm. helpful and so uh there are times when this video exonerates police officers from uh accusations of being inappropriate or or mean or discourteous or anything like that but for some reason it's not registering with enough police officers like hey you got to check the ego and perhaps it could be because they think that what they're doing is normal or acceptable and only when there's this big huge reaction to it do they realize, okay, well, maybe I did something wrong. I, I I think that there needs to be some massive addressing of the egos. I think of all of us, but especially you know, so, police but, officers. So let's talk about because obviously that's an issue at hand right there. And, it, you know, if that was all we had to talk about, obviously it's still a big issue. But now you have uh, the portion where, you know, she's dead. And... You know, there's a lot of debate. Uh, the, the documents were just released recently. Um, but in general, even before they were, her friends, you know, uh, when, when kind of questioned by the press and so on, said, you know, she would never take her own life. And first off, I, yeah, we talked about this off air, but never say the word never. Yeah. You know, uh, in general, I hear, you know, I hear people, if an employee's late and they come in like, oh, I'm never late. <laughs> Exactly why we're talking about because you were late. So it's not you're never late. You're almost never late. I tell people that I'm preparing for depositions, never use the word never (laughs) and don't use the word always because those are very easy to 
uh, dispute. Exactly. So, and I'm not saying that she took her own life, but you know, uh, you cannot with a hundred percent certainty, unless you were there, say that. She right. did not take her own life. But it does make more sense to say, you know, look at her life. This woman was on the up and up. She was thrilled about a new job that she was getting. She was in great spirits. And even while she was in jail, she was working with friends and family members that were trying to get the money together to get her out. So those facts seem to be more supportive of the fact that maybe she did not commit suicide than a statement like, oh, she would just never do that. Because I think you're right. It's virtually impossible to rely on a statement like, that. oh, she would never do that. Or she always does this. So I, I think you have a point. And I also think that even if she did have depression in her past, that doesn't mean that she was suicidal then. And it didn't mean she was suicidal now. I I think there's a, a a very quick bridge that's been well, built between depression and suicide that isn't there for many people. Well, a couple of things. Uh, so the documents that, you know, kind of came out recently say that, you know, she had lost a child and uh, she thought about suicide right. after well, the loss of her child. I mean, it's vi- it's very, very quick. So this is very interesting to me. So that uh, document was released by the Texas officials uh, to to show that she did have some history of suicide attempts. And the question says, you know, have you ever attempted suicide? If so, when and why? And all she wrote was in 2015, comma, lost baby, comma, took pills. So we have no idea like the whole story of it. But what's really interesting is that the authorities chose to release that piece of evidence. Had it been had that questionnaire said, I have never thought about suicide, never contemplated, never looked, they would not have released it. They would have said, well, this is a an pending investigation, and so we do not release any documents or make any statements until the investigation is complete. That's what would have happened, I think, if the document would have supported the family's theory. But because it supported their official cause of you know suicide, they quickly released it, even though... This Let me ask you issue this. is under uh, investigation. Um, has anyone come out with this? The fact of uh, martyr. Because, I mean, if, if she's fighting against police brutality, I'm not saying she did, wow. but if she takes her own life, obviously now this sparks huge debate. And, I mean, is that enough reason for someone with that cause to take their own life to spark this interest and in the hopes that it'll change something. I have not seen that. I had not even thought of that until you just mentioned it. I think it's a pretty... It's bold. Yeah. Um, I I don't... I, I highly doubt it. I, I, I doubt it. I hope. I doubt, with good reason that I doubt it. But I don't know. I, I had not thought of that. Uh, I'm not sure that she was an activist to the degree that somebody might consider that option. But, you know, I don't, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, maybe three days in jail really did break her spirit. I don't know. It doesn't seem to make sense. Um, and also, you know, maybe if something happened in her head and she switched, you know, she was suicidal. First of all, if they really thought she was suicidal based on that questionnaire, they should have put her on suicide watch, which they did not. And also, um, you know, if the officer really did slam her head into the ground, 
that can cause a concussion, which is also a, a, a brain injury, a traumatic brain injury. And I uh, have seen a case or am actively involved in a case where a man uh, was at work and uh, something caused a concussion. And within 24 hours, he shot himself. And um, our case is that the, the concussion that occurred at work was really the cause for him to shoot himself. And there is medical evidence that uh, people begin to not think straight and have uh, things, ha- things mm-hmm. like this can happen. So perhaps having her head slammed caused a, a brain injury that caused her to, to do this. So perhaps... Um, have they released the autopsy report or no? No, not yet. It's still pending. The The family wants, uh, you know, the medical examiner said it was suicide, but the f- family wants an independent uh, investigation and autopsy, and that is still pending as far as I understand. I think there's a few things that t- you can take into account with something like this. and That's Stephen, by the way. Yeah, guys, our, yeah, our you can see me. Um, unfortunately, I really believe in Occam's razor and that the simplest solution is usually the right one and not always, but usually, um, when you look at the method, so that means that you think that since it looks like suicide, it probably is suicide. No, I'm saying it's fairly obvious that it wasn't suicide. Okay. I'm saying it's almost overwhelmingly evident that it's not suicide. You can get in conspiracy theories all you want, that she was a martyr, that maybe she killed herself to make an impact. You can also go to the other side to say, maybe one of the cops in the police station thought, hey, maybe we can reform the police station and everything by murdering this girl and making her a martyr. You can go deep into conspiracy theories all you want. The, the truth is, this is... From well, watching, like you can't it, say, see again. You, you can't is, say the truth. Is, this right. is not the truth. The, the the basic information presents itself from the arrest to her death. It seems that, of course, even the the previous information about how she was happy, she wasn't very in that emotional state. Women commit suicide mostly through cutting their wrists or taking pills. It's the most common way for women to commit suicide. If she can find a way to hang herself in a prison cell, she can damn well find a way to cut her wrists in a prison cell. I don't think she would have committed suicide in that way, especially finding out about her previous history where she tried to take pills because pills is the way that people do it when they want to just fall asleep and then not wake up. That's how it, Hanging yourself is a very, very, very violent and not pleasant way to die, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I don't see a woman in this position doing that. I see perhaps her being drugged and the, they just do it while she's asleep and knocked out from the drugs. I think... That's probably the most obvious case. As much as I am a supporter of our police and I support the people who actually do a good job well and things like that, I know that there are some – there's a lot of corruption. And when I look at this story, I hate to say it, but I say that there's most significantly – most likely corruption. Yeah. And I think that it's most likely was actually what people think it is. Yeah, that's very interesting. I hadn't thought about the uh, that angle about what is the way that women who do commit suicide, how do they do it? Uh, really, thanks for adding that. And, you know, I, I too definitely want to say that even though we cover a lot of stories where the police are the bad guys, 
I personally, I don't think we as a show or you think that police in general are bad people, um, that they're all wrong and that they're all bad and that they're all racist and that they're all egomaniacs. I, I don't think that they all are. I have met many who are not. Uh, so I, I would hate for anybody to think that because we talk so many of these stories where cops are the bad guys and we're going to see a, a story at the end, uh, where another cop is misbehaving, but for a totally different reason. Uh, but we, we, we love the police officers who do their job with integrity and, uh, with good intentions. In Boston, intentions. we have a saying, just do your job. And when you win the Super Bowl, you get one that says, did your job. All right. <laughs> So I think the pro- I think the problem is that we highlight the bad and we don't highlight the good in the news at all. Yeah. And when well, you're only that- seeing bad things, then people are naturally going to assume and that also causes a lot of racism when white people are only seeing bad things that African Americans are doing that puts something in their mind, not just white people, but it goes across the all the races. Yeah, this is true. I would have nothing it, to disagree. That's a, with that's that. a whole other uh I, I could bring in some people. Uh, we, we do want to start Meet the Black Press. Um, no, we do, because here's the thing. I mean, there, there's a whole media studies thing where people actually dislike happy news. It's yeah. true. It's true. Anyway, a different story for a different day. Um, you know, you watching or listening, let us know your thoughts. Conspiracy theories, uh, you know, what is the quote-unquote truth what really happened that's right uh a lot to discuss there so have at it we want to know your thoughts and opinions so now we'll start our docket stories uh starting with the chattanooga shooting do you want to sure provide us a background on that sure so uh i prefer to call it the tennessee shooting because it's a little bit easier um that's where it took place but chat chattanooga is, job. is the location in, yeah. in Tennessee. Um, and uh, basically, uh, a Marine recruitment station, uh, you know, this, for lack of a better term, uh, uh, radical. And to what extreme, we don't, you know, that, that there well, remains they're, they're, to be debated. They're trying to figure out whether he was radicalized or whether he was just on, on his, on, Yes. Uh, he goes and, you know, shoots up this... This recruitment center. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, there's uh, five people that, uh, you know, that kind of were part of a mission to help quell it uh, and, you know, detain him so that way they can get him. And they essentially sacrificed themselves for that cause. Right. That is the version of the story of events that I saw uh, come out most recently. Actually, before he even got to this center, he sort of did a drive-by shooting of another one not that far away. Um, But that recruitment center had bulletproof glass on it, so uh, nobody got hurt. So then he drove down uh, and and found this other center and went in. And perhaps with like an... I think I see an AK-47 or something similar or um, to that. So pretty scary. And the version of events that I'm seeing now is that uh, they're saying that this could have been a lot worse, that the, the, the men who died sacrificed themselves by trying to uh, fight him, to distract him from a larger group of people. There are some that um, are saying that at least one or two of the Marines uh, weapons were discharged. Uh, not sure if any of those hit the shooter, uh, Mohammed Abdulaziz, uh, 
but it, it sounds like they made heroic efforts to try and um, le- lessen the number of people who would who would be killed. But ultimately, four Marines and one naval officer uh, died. And you know, now the the really interesting thing is that this has been called, you know, a massacre um, and, and 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 terrorism. You got to be careful. Here's the thing. Because I I know where people's mind goes, right? I mean, I can't, unfortunately, I can't even really pronounce his name. And But I'm serious. You know, unfortunately, the the thinking out there is. Well, he um, was not born here. Based off of the name. Yeah, but he was a natural. He sounds like a terrorist. Right. And that, that, which by the, you know, people deduce it to those simple terms. Right. So, but I, I have seen, I can't recall which government agency was the one that called it terrorism. It may have been the FBI um, who called it terrorism, which was interesting to me because in the um, Charleston shooting, the authorities were not so quick to call it terrorism. And that was something that we talked about here on the show. You know, is it only terrorism if it sounds something related to the Middle East or something? But the... Um, the shooter did go abroad to Jordan last year, I believe, for about seven months, and they uh, are, are looking to see whether he was radicalized while he was over there. Um, so far, it doesn't look like he uh, was working with any other groups. I shouldn't say other groups. He wasn't working with any groups at all or any other people. So far, it looks like it was just him by himself, which would just mean that he was a very, very sick man who I believe did this um, based on his interpretation of uh, of the of the religion that he he followed but I, I think a lot of Muslims would be uh, you know offended to say that he was um, following it correctly uh, so the, the the big issue now is whether this was at least for, for for me what I see is is this are they really going to call this terrorism and not the Charleston shooting? Terrorism. It's a very interesting. I mean, the truth is, more people died in Charleston than died here, and they both seem terrible there. And they're both cases for us looking at whether there should be some kind of of gun control. I don't believe it's known yet whether um, Abdulaziz obtained the firearms legally, but the fact that a, a a sick person could get their hands on something like an AK-47 or or doctor some other gun into. It says he used a derivative of an AK-47 assault rifle, and I don't know enough about them to understand really what a derivative of that means. But that some that any person, much less a clearly warped sick person, can get their hands on something so deadly. Um, it's just shocking to me and some people have said well if all the marines were armed then maybe it would have turned out differently and that's what the the moral of the story is not that we need less guns but that in fact we need more guns but in this case it looks like two marines did have weapons on them and it still didn't stop them so it almost seems like if you say that we need more guns then you know one guy will come in with an ak-47 and a regular it just becomes an arms race. Exactly. And is that really where we want things to go? It doesn't sound very fun for me. I, 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 don't, I don't want to see everybody walking around with a person in AK-47. That, that's just doesn't sound like a great 
Way Here's to the, live I'll to tell me. you, it's not fun because uh, you know you want to hear my. I've heard all the stories of communist Russia and all that. You know what? And you used to have a little handbook that said you were at the dentist, you were at work, blah blah. You you, you know how people have calendars now? You had a mandatory calendar, and if you got stopped and they looked at your little booklet. And you're supposed to be at such and such place, and you weren't, you know, the proverbial, like, you're playing hooky. Oh. And that's not the world that you want to live in. So, and so that that's sort of, is that it, because they had a police state or because that's... That was, that was communist Russia. Yeah. Well, so the, for me, I would really like to, to see how they end up... Um, Treating this, I mean, there's there's not going to be a trial here, of course, because the 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 shooter was killed uh, in a shootout with police um, right after this. But there remains a, a a lot of questions, and it's just interesting to observe how this story is is treated. Um, ma- namely, that it's you know, oh, terrorism. And Charleston was not so quickly called terrorism. I want to talk before, you know, uh, in our rundown, we're, we're supposed to talk about Bill Cosby uh, next. But uh, let's let's skip him for one second and let's talk. Let's talk about James Holmes. OK, because the, the two kind of relate. They're both shootings. Sure. At least on that end. Yeah. Um, so James Holmes, just to catch everyone with the speed of, you know, in 2012, premiere of Dark Knight uh, Rises uh, in Aur- Aurora, Colorado. Um, he goes and shoots up a movie theater. And uh, now we've kind of, we're about to reach a verdict. Well, they've reached the verdict in the original case about whether he, because he pled not guilty by reason of insanity. And the jury did not buy that. They found him quite guilty. Uh, so he, uh, now we're beginning the about month-long penalty phase in which the jury will have to decide whether he is given life in prison or the death penalty. So, and here, you know, uh, what's interesting to me is everyone, you know, kind of the, the reports uh, that he, for lack of a better term, he seemed bored during the trials, which to me only speaks to the fact of like uh, your likability in a trial, for better or worse, is a major factor. On the jury. Well, it looks like perhaps he was trying to look insane. He was trying to look like not interested or just kind of stare off in space or just just trying to present himself like he really was insane so that the jury would think that he really was insane. So don't wear pants or something. Like, do, do something a little <laughs> I'm, bit more if, I'm not if sure you're going to go that option. route. But, you know, the, the jury, in deciding that he um, was guilty... Did not say that he's not mentally ill. That that is established. But there is a difference between mentally ill and knowing the difference between right and wrong. And this jury found that he was not only mentally ill, but he knew the difference between right and wrong when he did this, and he chose to do it anyway. So uh, you know now um, victims, victims' family members, friends uh, will get to speak, um, and the defense will will probably try again with um reiterating how and he did not testify he did not testify and he's also again choosing not to testify in the penalty phase he doesn't have to it's you know up to him i think um i mean if he really wanted his life spared he he would i would imagine get up there and just 
So what's you're his lawyer? Are you pushing him to testify or saying don't well, for whatever reason? If, uh, what could those possible reasons be? Well, it would be really great to have Sarah here on this since she's a criminal defense attorney. And my feeling is that she is that Sarah would say, if I had to guess, what Sarah would say, no, don't put him on. Um, me as yes, as an attorney, but not somebody with experience in this kind of law, I would think that your 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 best bet would to be to get up there and either say well, i don't know if it would help to say i didn't know what i was doing because the jury's already figured out that he did but have such remorse you know i, I guess he would try and paint a picture of of uh, of his life and where he went wrong and how things went wrong and um how he, which goes I, I back to my theory of likability I mean, again, for better or worse, you know, which, by the way, you at home, because everyone, in theory, has to do jury duty or will do jury duty at some point in their lives, you know, don't let that be the factor of which you decide a case upon, whether you like the person or not. So it looks like, you know, of any case um, where it is clear that this is the person who did it and he killed a lot of people. Uh, injured a lot of people. I think it was something like 70 people were injured. Um, that this would be a no-brainer death penalty case. But what's interesting is that this is in the state of Colorado who hasn't put somebody to death in, I, I believe it's like something like 20 years. So it's, it's, it's somebody who I think we, most people would agree of all people would probably be deserving of the death penalty in a place where they just don't generally do that so um my feel is that he'll be um given the death penalty but then i don't know if he will actually be put to death mm-hmm. i think he'll sit on death row for a very long time as all especially, the appeals. The, especially with the debate we had a couple of weeks ago about uh how to enact the death penalty right so. yeah Check back in a couple episodes. Listen to that debate. Right. So um, so we'll see. But I, I think probably by the time all the appeals are through and all that, it'll be like years and years and years from now. And perhaps we will have um, the death penalty will no longer be constitutional. I mean, just think about it. This happened in 2012. We're at 2015, finally kind of just reaching a verdict. Yeah. I mean, it takes a very long time, even though that should have been like the easiest, quickest part, you know, but it took three years. Um, so the, the appeals process and everything will take a much longer time. But my guess is that he will be given the death penalty. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, all right. So uh, we skip Mr. Cosby. That's right. We skip Bill Cosby. And uh, let's talk about this because... The stuff that just comes out uh, sometimes sort of mind-boggling in some so, sense. So a few weeks was it a week ago? Last week? I cannot. Even we, we've been keep talking about straight. Bill Cosby for a while, and uh, yeah, I th- at last week we gave an update. So the last um, with the uh, with the with the pound cake speech. Right. So so the last that when we covered this, we talked about how uh, a piece of the transcript had been released where he acknowledges. Uh, giving quaaludes to women uh, with the intention of having sex with them. And now 
more of the uh, transcript has come out. There's some question about whether it was supposed to come out, but the New York Times and CNN have both obtained uh, copies of the transcript from the court reporting agency that took the deposition back in 2005 or six, uh, and and it gives us a whole lot more insight um, into Mr. Cosby and his womanizing ways. Um, the, I want, the quote is... Your favorite? You have a favorite quote? Well, I mean, it's the quote. I mean, if the headlines, these are the headlines, okay. right? Um, you know, uh, it's based around this quote. I think I'm a pretty decent reader of people and their emotions in these romantic sexual things... Whatever you want to call them, he said. So, so in this transcript, he discusses having sex with at least five women who are not his wife, and um, he talks about how he seduced them, how he would basically act like he cared about them, asking one woman about her father who had cancer. Um, the this woman, Andrea Constant, who who was the plaintiff in this case where the deposition was taken where he treated her like he was her mentor um, would try and guide her professionally also invite her over for firelit dinners at his home uh, and patiently and persistently was good to her until they began to play sexually and i say play because um cosby says that he was generally tried to stay away from actually having sex i want to see if i can find the quote where he says that he tended to stay away from actually having sex because then the woman would sort of fall for him maybe not fall in love but they would they would get more feelings uh, than the playful nature in which I think he intended this to be. Um, but what Mr. Cosby is on to when he talks about that is uh, this thing called oxytocin, which I think all people should become aware of. Uh, I try and scream about it from the rooftops, but it's that thing that, um, that tends to make women clingy after Where's sex. Where's your mic? It's your mic, Phil. My mic. We're having some stuff. Here we go. Right in the middle of my oxytocin speech. So this is so this is you know slightly unrelated, but I think it's a very important thing. So understand everybody what oxytocin is. Oxytocin is a thing that makes women a little. I hate to use the word crazy, but a little um, crazy about the guy. I should say uh, it makes them bonded to him. It makes them clingy to him, and that is a. It's a chemical reaction. It's a neurotransmitter hormone. I can't remember if it's a neurotransmitter or a hormone. One of the two, if not both, that is nature's way of keeping the woman close to the man in case she turns out to be pregnant. Oxytocin also released during childbirth and breastfeeding as nature's way of creating a bond between mom and baby. So uh, so he was right to, that he had some idea that, that sex changes um, things uh, a bit. But uh, the 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 thing that Cosby's camp is coming out to say now is that even though he was using quaaludes, I can't remember what they were called, um, a, a nickname like 
disco biscuits or something. They they say that that um, he used them with people who wanted to, to use them with him. That this was all consensual, um, and that this um, quaaludes thing was a normal party drug in the seventies, and all the rich, famous, uh, wealthy people were doing it, and so. Um, it shouldn't be seen like a big deal, except that this wasn't all people from the 70s. These are complaints that came out in the 80s, 90s, and, and 2000s, um, when I don't think disco biscuits were all the rage anymore. So this transcript is definitely damaging to him uh, in the court of public opinion, but now whether it will be damaging to him in an actual courtroom is another story. You know, the Cosby campus saying this doesn't mean that he drugged somebody and then raped them, although that is the allegation by, by many women. Uh, but and even some um, police departments who um, previously um, heard complaints and then decided not to pursue charges are now rethinking this, not thinking that they can go after him for any sexual assault because the statute of limitations on that has run, but possibly for things like perjury and other things related to him not telling the truth about this. And he faces a deposition um, in the case brought by Judith Huth, who is one of the women who claims that she was assaulted by him back when she was 15 years old. And, uh, the Cosby camp had put up a fight, took it to the Supreme Court, and I think just yesterday this California Supreme Court said, nope, you're going to have your deposition taken. So Gloria Allred is the attorney in that case and made a statement that she'll probably set the deposition to occur within the next 30 days. Uh, not necessarily sure we will know what um, is going to be said in that, um, but a very fascinating chain of events. Okay. Um, all right. So I think somehow, some way, Cosby is going to be prosecuted for something. That's my prediction. That even though the bulk of the, the, the charges have their time has come and gone, that there's going to be something. There this there's the momentum of this case just keeps picking up at, with each passing week. And I think we'll see the day when, uh, when yeah, there is some justice. I don't, I don't think so. Oh, I think, boo. I think Cosby's going to pass away before that day comes. Unfortunately, Ooh. cause the stress, the stress from being under the limelight like this and just having every, his whole image that he's built in his entire life ripped away from him. I feel like he's going to have a stroke soon. Wow, I didn't think about that. Maybe, I mean, that's not, uh, wouldn't that be shocking? I mean, this, this is probably not the way Cosby saw, um, his legacy going down. And he is, I think, 78 years old. Um, and I cannot imagine what his Donald wife is Sterling's saying. still alive and kicking. <laughs> so let's, come on. Let's, let's be real. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is a story that will continue to, to develop. Um, you know, and I, I don't know the, what happens ultimately in the case. I think, you know, I don't know. 
But in the court of public opinion, I I don't know if this is going to be overturned. I don't know if people can. No, it, I don't think there's any amount of information that can come out that overturns that verdict. Yeah, court of public opinion has definitely already decided, and that might be more painful to Cosby than um, than money. Yeah, I mean, it's his legacy. It's, yeah, it's his legacy. Um, well, let us know what's 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 worse. Actual verdict or the court of public opinion. opinion. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about a story that kind of uh, hits a little bit close to home, but also uh, I'm sure many of you guys kind of uh, partook, not in the fraud part, but. Uh, <laughs> let's hope not. <laughs> uh, last summer, uh, there was the ice bucket challenge to raise money and awareness for ALS. If you don't know what that is. <laughs> There's a million do, and a half videos about it. They exactly. Do. And which is why I, I think uh, you partook in it, right? Or at least you saw did these videos. Did you do videos. it? Uh, I filmed a lot of them. I did not do any part so, of it. I, me and Ice, not so good together. Um, but in case, in case you know, for some reason you didn't catch it or you're an international viewer that for some reason this didn't make it to your country... Um, Ice was poured on people. It's called the Ice Bucket Challenge because, you know, you grab a bucket of ice and you pour it on someone. Um, obviously, the idea is that it's cold and whatever. And uh, you, you you kind of, so through social media, you pass the challenge on to somebody else. And, you, you know, you raise money and you raise awareness for this by doing it that way because, it, you know, it directly ties people. All well and good in theory. <laughs> except when it affects your job. A Pasadena police officer who was on workers' comp because of a bad back. Did he, the ice bucket challenge? He's the one lifting the bucket, or he's... I, 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 I forget exactly. Uh, so she was a 39-year-old police officer who was off of work for a low back injury. And uh, there was a video found of her lifting yeah, the Yeah, which is ice worse because it's, it's one thing if you're taking the ice, then you can make some sort of argument. But when you can lift a bucket of ice and dump it on someone's head. Right. So uh, apparently this bucket with you know, the ice water weighed about 40-some-odd pounds. And so she was able to not only lift it off the ground but, like, overhead in order to dump it onto somebody. And that right there got her slammed for, you know, insurance fraud and workers' comp fraud and I normally hate these stories about um, fraud because I think that they're really all one-sided. Uh, this this story was was interesting because but they're one-sided because you know even to take take a step back, uh, you know I mean I see this a lot, and so you at home watching listening, just notice things, right? I've seen literally like hashtag vacation thanks to blah blah. It's like thanks to what, and disability, sm- yeah, and now smoking my marijuana. Like what what you. you you put it up on social media, and I've seen people even like tag their coworkers. It's like, what were you thinking? <laughs> people are, are are not thinking. So this, uh, I guess, has has two lessons for us. A, don't lie about a disability because you'll 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 get caught in some weird way. You will probably do something yourself that gets you caught, and it's usually stupid like this. Or the other option is. Stop putting every moment of your life up for the world to see. First, most people don't care. And the ones who are snooping around a lot are probably not doing it just because they're a fan. They're they're looking for, like, are you 
committing fraud or something. So it's just people. Come on, let's let's be a little bit smarter. And you know, this is this is a police officer, somebody who we hope would think is a fairly intelligent person to qualify and be hired on to the Pasadena Police Department. So, you know, now she's accused of exaggerating her symptoms um, and costing, um, I don't know if they are self-insured or have an insurance company that then paid out uh, over $100,000 to her over the years, believing that she uh, was not capable of work. And now listen, just because she could lift one bucket overhead does perhaps doesn't mean that she could work. Okay. Doing it one time. And you know, there's always a thing, well, maybe she was, you know, she'd taken a lot of medications and, 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 and that was just like the, the one thing that she has done beyond any restrictions or any thing that she said she could do. That was like the one time and she got caught. But, um, just because she could lift a bucket, even weighed 40 some odd pounds, that by itself doesn't mean she can work. So she may still validly need workers' compensation disability. The problem is, is that I, I understand from her deposition that she um, said that she was unable to even get out of bed most days. And so when you exaggerate like that... Yeah, that's like saying <sighs> never. Right. And right. always. Do not use those words. Right. Uh, so... Don't lie. Don't exaggerate. Life is just so much easier when... Here's the positive spin. This has nothing to do with legal or anything. But hopefully it's a good lesson to everybody. You know what? Because everyone looks at like, oh, you know, the people that put us on the moon, they must be so much smarter than me. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. So you could look at that as a bad thing. Or, or you could just be like, you know what? The sky is the limit for, for you. Yeah. You could literally do all this great stuff in the world if you so choose to. And you, you can do it. And you don't commit fraud. Because don't listen, fraud. this officer faces a maximum sentence of six years in county jail for this. It's a big deal. And even though, you know, we're talking about a, a workers' comp fraud story, I do want people to know that workers' comp fraud is not as prevalent as a problem as most people think it is. As soon as most people find out that I do workers' comp, they're like, oh, how many of your clients are making it all up? And there's... Very, very few that are. Some are, I think, I just get upset. I, you know, it's one of those, right? So we talked about stories that surface versus stories that don't. It, it, it just sucks when, obviously, all the stories that you do hear um, are of that nature. And, unfortunately, I, you know, the people that I know are committing workers' comp fraud. And I hate to see that. Yeah. But in the, in, I think the percent uh, of, of fraudulent cases is, you know, is very slim. It, dep- it depends on the year, but it's been like 1%, maybe 2%, sometimes less than a percent. So just because we're highlighting this story, because it's kind of well, the point does is, not it, mean that this is really like a, de- doesn't demonstrate the normal work comp cases. And the point is just don't do it. Cause then you, you, you mess it up for everybody. Yes. Yes. That's yes. the point. So true. Stop being so selfish. Right. Go do your job. <laughs> that's exactly. it. All right. That's the moral of the story. Do your job. And that's our show for today. That's right. Uh, thank you guys for joining us yet again on Justice Served. Uh, we served some justice. I don't know if we served other. 
but we certainly tried. Um, thank you guys for for tuning in. Uh, we we love you guys. We appreciate you. Um, and let us know, you know, what you guys think of all these stories. There's, there, you know, we try to have our own opinions, but uh, there's there's always a different opinion, and uh, the truth is never as clear as it may seem sometimes. And so that's where you guys come in, talk, talk with us. Speaking of that, where can uh, where can they find you? At Twitter, on Twitter at Chelsea Galicia. Perfect. And follow us here uh, at Black Hollywood Live. Um, with our our Twitter and Instagram is bhl online um so do that also uh just real fast i want to tell you guys uh, about a cool actual opportunity that if you guys want if you guys like magazines um why are you laughing reading magazines being in magazines reading magazines oh okay got it uh, I can't get you in magazines, not quite. But if you like reading magazines, uh, think of a Netflix for magazines. It's called Next Issue. It's um, you know, it's on your tablets, it's on your smartphones. All you got to do is download the app, and for nine ninety nine a month, you get uh, all these various issues of pretty much any magazine you can think of. People, Cosmo, Sports Illustrated, Wired Magazine. I'm sure there's something with legal stuff in there too. Um, but it's all available to you for nine ninety nine a month. That's now, very cool. Yes, you, it is. You don't have to chop down all those trees. That's it, right. And it, if you get more than two magazines a month, this thing pays for itself. Now, for if you type in nextissue.com slash ABTV, you get a 30-day free trial. Oh, hey. Look That's at that. Cool. That's justice right there. Love and it. on that note, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next week on another edition of Justice Served, where Sarah Zaria should be back. But who knows? I may just join in just for the fun. <laughs> see you guys next time. Daryl Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.